Hello again, Awesomers. It's your old buddy, Steve Simonson, and I'm coming back for a uh, insert episode of the Awesomers.com podcast series because everybody is surprised to learn about uh, a company called Evergrande in China. Evergrande is a uh, making news headlines around the world, and I'm going to just give you a little brief today about what it means, why um, I was actually giving presentations about this over the past couple weeks, and really why this is just the tip of the iceberg. There are aspects of the geopolitical situation that are important if you are anything to do with international trade, so supply chain, private label sellers, e-commerce sellers, uh, anybody who does business globally kind of needs to understand what some of this means. And I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I'm going to give the broad strokes of what I see happening and why Evergrande is, or Evergrande is just the tip of the iceberg. So uh, let me just give you a little brief. So I was down at Kevin King's event. Uh, by the way, I should point out that we're on the Awesomers.com podcast. Uh, this is episode number 238. All you have to do, go to Awesomers.com slash 238, and we'll put some show notes details, possibly a link or two. But today's uh, just a quick flip edition to make sure that we get some, I, I don't know, news out there. Uh, that helps you understand and put into perspective uh, what's happening, at least from our perspective, and it's just a viewpoint that you can weigh into consideration. I do want to point out that um, as I was in uh, Texas last Friday, for example, which is you know several days before this news broke, at least three days before the news broke, I stood up on stage you know, in front of a 120 people or whatever it was, and I said, uh, hey, how many of you guys, uh, just raise your hand if you've ever heard of Evergrande. And I scanned the audience. I, I didn't wait for half an hour, but I scanned the audience and and I saw no hands. Um, and so if there was a hand that went up, my apologies, I missed you. But I said immediately afterwards, uh, after the recognition that in fact nobody had ever heard of it, I said, you will. And literally within you know 48 hours or 72 hours of that ominous warning, not only had you heard of it, but it's the number one trending uh, topic on Reddit. Uh, thanks to Paul Barron for pointing that out. It became the causation of the United States uh, stock market dive uh, on Monday and other markets as well. But United States uh, certainly was noteworthy. Um, and it was also, it's being blamed for the crypto kind of crash that's happening right now as well. So I'm recording this. Uh, on September 21st, 2021. And so this is just a, um, a day after kind of the news has broken public, maybe maybe two days, depending on which time zone you're in. So the, the, the primary question is, uh, for this kind of lightweight primer, is what is Evergrande and why does it matter? And by the way, there will be a plethora of uh, articles and videos and people talking about it that will give you all kinds of different information. Some will compare it to Lehman Brothers. Some will say it doesn't matter, right? So Lehman Brothers is a very significant um, domino to fall in the United States in around 2008 that created an ex kind of a big financial meltdown for the U.S. that had some global uh, impact to it. And so the question is, is this a Lehman type of situation or is it not? Um, does it matter? And if it doesn't matter, why is the world losing its mind? And if it does matter, how far should we lose our minds? And I, I, I told the gang at uh, the Billion Dollar Seller Summit hosted there by Kevin King, 
I said, this is kind of, you know, kind of the sky is falling chicken little like language, but it's only to demonstrate that things are changing. So Evergrande is a property developer, um, certainly one of the, the top two in China, maybe the top one, depends on who you ask. And they have a massive amount of bond debt and other kinds of debt because that's just how things are done in China, right? You get a loan, you do stuff, you get another loan, you do more stuff, and that thing just kind of goes up and up and up. China about, let's say within the last 12 months, they put some dampeners into the, the financial system specifically aimed at property development. Uh, China essentially is trying to rein in the runaway pricing on real estate because everybody's buying, everybody who can is buying real estate. Now I should point out that the everybody who can is an important kind of cultural notation. Uh, it's in China, the average kind of selling price for an apartment is 30 times the annual average salary of a pretty reasonable, you know, well-paid, not a factory worker, but kind of towards that higher median. And it's, you know, 30 years of those wages is not something you can just, you know, pay. So there's, there's a fair amount of mortgages, a lot of lifetime savings, and a lot of multi-generational households putting up money to buy these places. Many, it's the, you know, in Shanghai and, and Hong Kong and other places, Shenzhen, you know, extraordinarily expensive real estate market. And it was getting more and more out of reach. And so the, the government uh, said, stop lending these people so much money based on these three tripwires. And Evergrande being the biggest, when, when liquidity stops coming into the market, then things kind of start choking uh, in terms of capitalization and the flow of money. So this has been starting, this started months ago. And a few weeks ago, Evergrande started sending out warnings like, hey, we might miss our interest payments. Evergrande, just to give you a, a frame of reference, owes around $300 billion plus or minus in that's US dollars of overall debt, right? It's obviously in China, so it's based in their local currency, but they owe a lot of money to a lot of people. And in fairness, they have a bunch of assets that are worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. So it's it's not as though it's a Bernie Madoff where there's a bunch of money and no, no assets um, kind of remaining or, or very few assets. They're reasonable assets to, as long as the price of the, the housing stays high in China. So they've Evergrande's been trying to pay people in apartments. So if you were delivering concrete or lighting or flooring or you know labor, carpentry, whatever the case may be, they're they can't pay you, and so they're trying to pay you in properties. And that you know in in one way may seem fine only if you could sell that property to be able to pay people. And there are lots of banks now that are getting worried, and and that started clamping down on some of the Evergrande accounts. Now, again, just to give you a scale, Evergrande is a very, very large company in terms of, you know, even within China. They are approximately 2% of the Chinese GDP. I've seen reports range from them having internally somewhere between 125,000 and 200,000 employees that are kind of Evergrande employees. And then another various reportings, anywhere from, you know, 2.8 to 3.5 million workers in the construction sectors. And this is really the, the heart of the story uh, that I want to get to you guys, as I see it. There's so much, you know, GDP wrapped up as a percentage. That's not ideal. And 
they do a lot of property development that, you know, the largest one, but the unemployment plus the, the capital crunch, that's where the rubber hits the road mostly because these guys aren't the only guys, right? This is just the tip of the iceberg. There are literally trillions of dollars in properties and bonds that far outpace kind of the size of, of what that uh, the Chinese economy can, can bear. And so if the concern is not so much what happens to Evergrande, even though it's relevant, it's how deep will this go into other companies like Evergrande? And again, as a, you know, we all watch the, the housing meltdown and in, in capitalism, it kind of just cleans itself out real quick. And there's an expectation that whether the Chinese government formally bails them out, which they've signaled that they're not going to do, but they may quietly bail them out by just simply saying, you know what, all you banks just kick the can on the interest uh, or lower the rates or, you know, roll over the loans and give them more time they may control it and that's fine if that's within their capacity to do right in terms of liquidity and capitalization and so forth and but how long can they do that you can't you can't just keep bailing out you know 12 trillion here and 25 trillion there in terms of the overall market uh, bonds and, and so on and so forth the other thing is it creates a question of uh, i don't know confidence right consumer confidence if people are like, well, maybe housing is not so safe because once all these housing guys start going down, now they're starting to sell at discounts. The guys buying at the discount are thrilled. The guys who just bought at full price, not so thrilled, right? So now people start hedging their bets and like, well, maybe there's a bigger discount coming or maybe this other guy is going to give me a bigger discount. So now there's a potential for housing prices to fall quite dramatically. And we've seen this over the past, let's say, you know, three days where the mining business has taken the first hits, right? So iron ore from Australia to North China is down huge, like 54% since May, by the way, for private label sellers, really good news. Uh, but it's wiped off of two or three mining companies. I can't remember uh, precisely, but it's wiped about $102 billion off their valuation like that. So again, why does all of this matter? So A, it's a symptom of a greater problem potentially. B, it could be a crisis of confidence within the country. It could stimulate a even harder hitting unemployment situation. And then because all the raw materials, and I'm talking about steel and iron and, you know, all the wiring and all the, you know, everything you put into these buildings, all of those, the pricing could be underdressed. Now, again, as a private label seller, we are tired of commodities skyrocketing. We're tired of overpaying. Uh, and there's an argument that says maybe this will help temper some of the runaway inflation we've seen in China. I don't think it will for long. Clearly, you know, iron ore uh, seems to be taking a, an immediate hit. And that has to do with kind of supply and demand, right? Where you thought you the demand was here and then people stop ordering like Evergrande. You got a bunch of iron ore. It's sitting there. You're still working the mines and it's just stacking up. What, what are you going to do with it? You're going to start discounting. So without getting into every little piece of the nitty gritty, I just want to tell you that Evergrande is an important sign of what's happening in China. There are many other signs that take this much deeper and that are, I think, important for e-commerce people, global supply chain, logistics, those types of people. We need to pay close attention, private labelers, e-commerce of any kind, the way products are built, where they're built, 
the, the constant problems with shipping prices, all of this weighs into a very interesting, if not annoying, geopolitical situation. Now, the other little thing, and I, I'm not going to go into it much further here, but the other thing that is really uh, problematic is that the, the increasing tension between the United States and China from a military perspective, I don't expect a hot war anytime soon, but we're already in a cold war. I, I was just watching Biden and the United Nations and, you know, she met with him, uh, you know, last week and they're like, hey, we got to do our best to cooperate and be, you know, less uh, mean to each other, right? Like they're pulling each other's hair or whatever. But neither has the intention to do that. <laughs> the the uh, AUKUS deal, which is the Australian, UK and United States uh, technology sharing deal to get basically Australia a land, uh, you know, the land down under with, uh, you know, just over whatever it is, 25, 27 million people, uh, nuclear powered submarines is a huge blow to China. Uh, at least mentally, if not, uh, you know, literally, because they kind of want the run of the seas down there. And the United States is like, we're not really willing to do all the work of cleaning up the world. So you guys are going to have to take care of yourself a little bit. And Australia's like, yeah, we will. And Japan's like, yeah, we will. And, you know, Taiwan's like, yeah, we will. So the, this change is going to change. And the reason I bring it up in my mind is it's going to change how the global supply chain works, where everybody is just used to free-flowing containers, we're, we're annoyed by the, the fact that the containers are delayed by the pandemic or they cost too much due to all the, the constrictions in the supply chain that have kind of created a giant traffic problem, which bubbles up in terms of pricing. There's a bigger picture and a bigger story here. So uh, if you guys were you know at the, at the Billion Dollar Summit and saw me give my little uh, rundown of the situation you are well informed about that and if you weren't and you want to know more uh just get in touch with me on facebook or whatever and i'll share the next time i'm speaking about that somewhere uh, so you can see if you can join us so that's that's really it for now i want to make sure that you understand evergrande is a symptom of a greater problem uh as i see it i think regardless of how the situation plays out over the next couple of weeks when they default on their their interest payments it will be pressure even if it's just mental pressure of people losing confidence and you know pumping the brakes on buying property it's going to be pressure for china unemployment wise price wise um lots and lots of pressure and i think it's again indicative of some of the bigger picture things that are happening in china now i have a team in china i have many suppliers and friends in china uh, I, I love the country i i in, in terms of the food and the the sites and the, you know, I, I just, I, I've enjoyed my time traveling in China, the better part of the last 20 years, uh, but things are changing. That's fundamentally my point. And so I will be, uh, you know, going to Mexico a lot. I will be, you know, Canada to a lesser extent on raw materials and India. Uh, if I could get to Malaysia and Vietnam and, and bolster some of our efforts there, I would. But over the course of time, there's going to be kind of a continued uh, de-risking that includes China where it needs to be, but other countries where they can be to diversify the supply chain and, you know, both be economically viable, but also sustainably viable. And I'm not just talking about green sustainable, like proper, you know, don't put lead in your paint and that kind of stuff. I'm talking about like, we don't want surprises in our supply chain. I, I gave a presentation a couple of years back. 
I hate surprises, right? We don't want surprises. And right now, the way the supply chains are set up with the Indo-Pacific region, we got nothing but surprise. It's like a wheel of surprise that's going to be coming uh, over the course of the next, you know, coming years. I, I really think it's this is a decade plus problem, uh, not to mention the increasing uh, economic challenges that we're going to have in various parts of Asia. So anyway, that's that's just a, a little quick thing. Evergrande, important, um, not the end of the world, right? If they resolve it, the world's not all better. And if it goes down, the world's not going to fall apart exactly. But the pressure, which I didn't expect it in crypto, I actually halfway expected people to go, well, if I can't put money there, then I'll put money there. But crypto is just getting punished because I, I suppose that people are saying, you know what, I need to retreat to cash or whatever they think is the safest thing right now, cash or gold or whatever. I don't know. I'm not, not the expert on that. But this crypto stuff surprised me and really got me flat footed when it comes to my own uh, holdings there. But nevertheless, um, we're off to the races on Evergrande. Stay tuned. Uh, definitely, you know, if you haven't already subscribed in at awesomers.com, be sure you do because we email from time to time. I don't think we spam in any, any perceptible way. Uh, we rarely email. But it's usually about an event or about a, a podcast or a webinar or what have you that where we talk about kind of important issues for e-commerce, you know, Amazon sellers, private labelers, uh, and of course, anybody interested in the global supply chain. So uh, this is it really, everybody. Uh, Osmers.com, uh, 238th episode. So Osmers.com slash 238. And you can find some links and things like that. Uh, and I just want to say that, you know, if you haven't already joined the Empowery.com e-commerce cooperative, just go do it now. We'll help, you know, Empowery will help guide you through. It's a nonprofit member-owned cooperative designed to get you cash back from your favorite suppliers. The best members make money on their membership. Whatever amount they're paying, the little Scooby snack you got to pay to get in, the best members make more money than that. Uh, and so therefore, it's a wise investment. It helps their business and it pays them to be a member. Nothing's better than that, everybody. Let's get on it and uh, we'll talk again very soon, everybody. Bye-bye.